Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I am your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. This week, my guest is Glenn Washington, the host of Snap Judgment, which is heard on over 400 NPR stations every week. He also hosts the podcasts Heaven's Gate and Spooked. And now, here's our first letter. All right, let's move on to a slightly more advanced question. This is going to be difficult. The subject of this one is estranged siblings. Dear Prudence, When my mom died, I was her sole heir, since the house and property we lived on came from her family. Dad remarried to a woman who hated me when I was a teenager. They had two kids together. I moved out at 17. When my dad unexpectedly died, I was devastated. We never really reconciled, but when I got back home, all I felt was fury. My stepmother didn't wait a second before trying to strip my house of valuables. She sold furniture and other antiques that had been in my family for years. My grandfather had a collection of first edition books that filled an entire bookcase. I was only able to save 10 of them. I got a lawyer and an injunction. I had to put in deadbolts and move everything into the attic and basement just to keep them safe. Dad died without a will and not a lot of assets. My stepmother got the car, her furniture, and what was left of his bank accounts. His life insurance was split between all the children. My stepmother and I spoke only through our lawyers, but it was still ugly. I had to have her and my siblings legally evicted from my home. I am much older now. I haven't touched the life insurance money beyond paying off my school loans. My siblings are all adults now. I've never connected with them. I don't think we ever had the chance. They are still my only living family left in the world. I've been thinking about giving what is left of the insurance money to them. I've talked to a tax attorney, but I don't know how to do it. I'm sure that my stepmother made me out to be the monster in the end. Should I do this? I'm not sure if a relationship is possible or just a pipe dream, or if I would just be opening up old wounds. They were both just kids when my dad died. So, and I'm, I read this, and I've read this a lot. I have to give this some thought. Yeah. And it seems like there's some issues here that go way back about guilt, mm-hmm. about responsibility, and about money. Yeah. And from my perspective, this is, you, you might think this is strange, but it's not. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who have been blessed with, financial resources for whatever reason don't necessarily look upon that windfall as a blessing. Mm -hmm. They feel that for whatever reason, it is a burden. It's attached to something. It's attached to something, a memory, a person, a place that they have an issue with. And as odd as it seems to say in our materialistic society, sometimes the best way you can deal with that is to let it go. Mm. And so instead of having this money, which still is a millstone, you say you're older, much older now. Mm -hmm. This money is still, you write this letter, and it is still a millstone around your life, around your neck. Yeah. And you need to let this go. And I think the best way to let it go is to, in fact, reach out and say, look, um, I have this money. It is, I want to split it between all of us. If it starts a conversation, that would be great. I'd love to talk to you about what happened. Mm -hmm. 
But otherwise, I'm going to give it to a charity. Hmm. Or maybe you can help pick that charity out if it might um, act as a burden to you. Yeah. So um, it's you're, you're asking for a dialogue. And I'm telling you what, once you do that, once you take that action, you're going to feel so much more free, regardless of how they respond to you. Now, obviously, it's be better for everyone involved if they were open to whatever type of relationship you're able to to have with them. But for you, this get rid of this thing that is bringing you down yeah. all these years and, um, and, and live your life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is really good to be prepared. I like the idea of, of having a charity because it is also just possible. I don't know how old these kids were when you had them evicted, but that's not just that their stepmother would say things to make you a monster. I mean, you evicted them when they were kids and whatever your reasons were or weren't, they might have a right to their own anger about that. That doesn't have anything to do with how their mother feels about you. Maybe they're open to talking about that. Maybe they will never forget or forgive it. I don't know, but I do think it will be helpful to prepare that for that possible response. And then, yeah, I think at that point, like this money has clearly not brought you a lot of relief, hasn't brought you a lot of joy. Um, I think the idea of offering it to them and then if they just say no, then thinking about what's a cause that you really care about that could use this money. I think that's a lovely idea. And, and you know, good luck. It is really hard, I think, especially when a parent dies unexpectedly and there's no plan for who's going to get what and there's a blended family. Um, it's really easy for things to get I- immediately fraught and, and ugly. And I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry for your siblings. And um, I hope that whatever peace looks like for all of you that you're able to find it. Yeah, I, I think that's all I had to say about that one. I, I, I think it's nice that we're going back and forth between sort of heavier ones and sort of lighter ones because this next one is just somebody who hasn't yet gotten a tattoo um, and is thinking <laughs> about whether or not to talk to different tattoo artists. So the subject, sorry, I think I just read the last one, right? Yeah. Yeah, then it's your turn to read this one. Okay. Subject, tattoo design anxiety. Dear Prudence, I'm seriously thinking about getting a tattoo so I've started following a lot of local tattoo artists on Instagram to get a sense of different styles and subjects and figure out who I'd like to get a tattoo from. I've realized that quite a few artists, including several I really like, use imagery like seemingly generic Native American headdresses and highly stylized depictions of Asian women and animals. I don't want to get a tattoo from someone who also does racist work, even though that racist work is very rare and they usually do tattoos that I like, but maybe I'm missing something. Maybe a particular artist is Native American or Japanese or Chinese, and they're creating tattoos based on their own culture, and I'm simply not recognizing that. Is there a polite way to ask a stranger on Instagram if their work is based on their own culture? I'm not too worried about offending someone who is appropriating, but I do not want to offend someone who isn't. Should I just reach out to the artist I like and whose work doesn't give me pause? <laughs> I can take it. You can take it. I'm tell, I, I've got some thoughts on this because my, my thing is like, look, don't worry about being the appropriation police. If you like the piece, talk to the artist. See if you can get along with them and where they're coming from. Um, enough for you to have them uh, fulfill your vision for your art on your body. If you are not appropriating, however you see that term, that term is just, it's odd. It's its sometimes weird. 
Um, I'll just tell you a little something. Um, I was just looking at some pictures of myself. And for a while, um, when I was 19, 20, about 25, I lived in Japan. And um, when I was in Japan, at certain ceremonies, I would wear traditional Japanese dress. The yukatas for the men. Sometimes um, I'd even have the a headdress or, or hair pieces in my hair. And Japan is a place I love. It's a place in a lot of ways I feel like it was kind of my finishing school. Mm-hmm. But I know that someone looking back at those pictures might say, oh, that's appropriation. And I'm not here I don't, they don't know, my, wouldn't know my relationship with that place, wouldn't know wh- where I'm coming from, wouldn't know the honor and respect and the mm-hmm. love that in a lot of ways, um, Hikone, Japan is my second home. In fact, maybe the place I feel most at home in all the world. And to think that I would be appropriating it, and especially when the, the term has a specific type of connotation here mm-hmm. that they don't have in Japan. Like, because, you know, the people who, the, the garments I was wearing were garments that people had given to me to wear for the various festivals and ceremonies that I attended and would be offended if I had chosen not to wear them. Right. It's a di- So it's a different thing. And everyone has their different views on what appropriation is. I mean, for me, it's going to mean taking someone else's culture and using it disrespectfully. But there's a lot of different nuances even to that, you know, um, blackface. That's some crazy stuff that you don't want to do. I'm not going to, uh, uh, you know, uh, take on some things that I don't, I don't know or understand. I haven't paid respect to. Um, but I just think um, when you're talking about something like this, what are you going to get on your body? I would find the best artist I could. Once I had the vision, I want someone who can do it right and make sure that when you choose that image, that you're putting your values into it. Your value of appropriation right now is going into that image. So you're not appropriating anyone's stuff. You've 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 found an image that best reflects you because you're gonna. This is everyone tells you you're gonna have to live with it forever. So yeah. live with it forever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, especially because any kind of a conversation about what cultural appropriation does or doesn't mean would need to be a conversation that included things like respect, personal relationships, context. The idea of a good place to have a conversation about this sort of thing is to message strangers I don't know on the Internet and demand that they explain their own cultural or ethnic context to certain images that I've seen them draw. That just feels to me like. That's not the right foundation to start that conversation. Mm. So if you want to have this kind of conversation uh, about your own body or with the people in your life that you have relationships to, um, by all means do that. But I don't see the value in um, buttonholing strangers and saying something like, hey, if you yourself have Asian heritage, I won't want to offend you. But if you don't, I'm going to say the following things to you. Like, imagine yourself saying that. I think you will realize as you picture that, like, I don't think that's wise. I don't think that's thoughtful. I don't think that that would actually um, tell someone else, I've got really good judgment. You should listen to what I have to say on the subject of cultural appropriation. Right. If I was the artist, I'd be like, pass. (laughs) Yeah, I would just be like, I don't know you. I don't know why you're demanding all this personal information from me, um, especially when we're not working together on anything. But yeah, I think the odds that you would offend somebody and hurt somebody um, about a very like personal part of their life is really high. You're not talking about people who are creating like 
offensive or or um, disrespectful images. Again, you may very well be right. There there are certainly lots of uh, tattoo artists who are thoughtless um, or who may treat other people's, um, you know, uh, dress as a sort of a costume. I, I'm not saying you have to think that that's a really good idea. I just don't think that rises to the level of like scrolling through Instagram, finding those strangers and then harassing them. Um, I think you should find an artist whose work you like um, and respect and talk to them about the image that you would like on your body. And I think that that's what you should do. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't want you to waste too much of your time um, because if you make it your job to buttonhole a lot of tattoo artists, you're going to be very busy. (laughs) Especially calling up random people on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. I just... I don't, I don't see that ending well for you. I don't see people learning from that project. Um, I don't see that as, as something deeply meaningful. So that's our mini episode of Dear Prudence for this week. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. As always, if you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327. And you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. 